0: day 685 of the Read Indeed podcast, coming to you with the enormity of my giant forehead gleaming as the sun bounces in from my single glazing office window during the summer months in Glasgow. A rare sunny morning it is here and lot's happening over the summer, both in the fellowship and work and also some quite pivotal moments personally. So what's been happening, what has been happening over the past month since the last episode of the podcast? Uh, at home, my wife and I took our two young kids to Disneyland Paris back in June. That was surreal start to finish. And it's not the most surreal thing that's happened this summer, but the first of several, Um, my Daughter's four, my son is two. They both loved it for very, very different reasons. My daughter was dressed up as one of the princesses that she was going to meet. And I think, to cut a much longer story short, to keep those of you with us who don't want to hear (laughs) about kids and family, the one magical moment that I think will stay with me long after I've forgotten everything else is when my daughter walked on To the main road down to the disney castle and that look on her face when she saw that castle for the first time and capturing a picture of her just standing still in silence looking upon that castle knowing that that is the direction in which she was traveling um as, as cheesy as corporate as capitalist as that might sound to some of you who love that level of cynicism that for me was brilliant and on the flip side of that showing the absolute chalk and cheese nature of siblings. It wasn't until two days later that my son's eyes lit up when he got a Captain America shield ripped out of its casing and donned on his arm. And after that point, he was no longer our son, but in fact, Captain America. Throwing that shield up, protecting himself, threatening to throw it at others around him. That was interesting. That was something where we had to talk him down. Um... Not telling me he wasn't Captain America, but just make sure that he wasn't going to jail before we returned home to Glasgow from Paris. But anyway, that was a that was a cracking start to the summer, and I don't know if we drained our pennies more in Disney or in the far more local resort in South Ayrshire where we went for a caravan holiday later in the summer. We spent four days with a caravan. Uh, with the kids at a caravan. And I don't know if you still see these things where you are, but these arcades where it's like, you know, like shooting games or, you know, like cuddly toy grab machines, the penny slots, you know, all of that stuff still very much exists and is a vibrant form of business in this part of the world. And there's something that just... Etches away at the remains of your soul when you exchange twenty quid in a machine for twenty pound coins. You know the the crisp twenty pound note goes in, and these little golden nuggets come out. And about five minutes later, they are no more. You've thrown them all away to try to catch a teddy that's never going to be grabbed. Or you've taken at least one of those nuggets and converted them in to 50 or 100 brown ones. That's not as dirty as it sounds, but I mean, you know, the sorts of things you need for the penny slots, that money just vaporizes and it's an absolute wolf in sheep's clothing. There's the bright, shiny lights, it's you know, lovely. The kids get to go on some little rides, they get to have some fun with some of the games, but it's just how quick it goes. I sound really tight, don't I? I sound like I'm an absolute penny-pinching miser. I'm not. I'm just... I was standing back for a few moments, almost observing myself from outside of my body, watching... I hope you don't mind a brief interjection in the middle of this episode of the Read Indeed podcast. I wanted to share with you that, as weird as this is to say, the podcast is now sponsored by my book You Are Not a Fraud, A Scientist's Guide to the Imposter Phenomenon and the accompanying Imposter Syndrome Masterclass. Since I published the book back in August 2022 and since I spawned the Imposter Syndrome Masterclass workshop from that it has grown arms and legs and allowed me to get that message about managing the imposter syndrome out to the world in ways that I couldn't have imagined in the beginning but now that that is taking on a life of its own it's allowing me to feed resource back into the podcast to to pay for the subscriptions that help me create the content curate it and host it online and that's why the podcast is now sponsored by it so if any of the story of the imposter syndrome resonates with you I would be delighted if you would check out the book or check out the Imposter Syndrome Masterclass, that is, You Are Not A Fraud, A Scientist's Guide to the Imposter Phenomenon. That's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, audio, and now in French and Spanish translations. And the Imposter Syndrome Masterclass is a half day workshop to help you and your group harness the tools that will alleviate your self-doubt and maximise your self-confidence before your next career challenge. I'll put the links in the description. Maybe it's not for you, but maybe it's for someone that you know, so please do share those links. And without further ado, back to the episode. Thanks for your time. Almost observing myself from outside of my body, watching uh, a young dad, a, 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 a couple of young parents... And my wife and I just watching the money fritter away in these little amusement arcades. But that that was but a thin slice of that holiday. But together, they were brilliant. They, they were, between Disney and the caravan trip, the three or four days needed to genuinely switch off. And by genuine, I mean going into situations where there wasn't even the opportunity to look at the phone because either it was an in the bags because we were too busy doing other things or there was no signal so there was no temptation to look at the phone. That happened a a third time. I I have an annual trip with um, several very close friends of mine. Every year we'll we'll go away for a couple of days, drink some whiskey, do some hiking. And this year we went to Eilie off the west coast of Scotland. Now I'm saying this knowing that some of you will be from Scotland but you might be sitting there tempted to travel to Scotland. And if you do, the understandable meccas for you will be the big cities like Glasgow, like Edinburgh, perhaps even Aberdeen. But consider the isles. The the best kept secret Scotland has are some of the beaches, abandoned buildings, castles, quiet walks in the woods that, because of their location and quite frankly because of how some of the weather is in the country and how unpredictable it can be. These places are such that you could walk onto the sands of those beaches, you crunch the branches under your feet of these forests and be the only person there. That was an absolutely incredible experience being on Isle this year doing many of those things and being one of the whiskey capitals of the world. We had a few nippy sweeties. We enjoyed some whiskey. We visited some distilleries. Shout out to my namesake, Mark, a tour guide at the Lagavulin distillery who, let me be quite blunt, wasn't like other tour guides I've had in the past who were there because they had to be there. This guy was there because he wanted to be there. Like, whiskey was in the marrow of his bones. Mark knew everything there was to know. He had answers to every question that every member of our tour group could possibly ask and then some and, and he told his brilliant stories about how this industry ran through generations of his family in many different ways it was awesome and that was an example of where you get an extra bit of magic when you see someone is there because they want to be and not because they have to be. A lot of stories about summer holidays there, eh? not a lot of stuff about fellowships today. As as ever on the Read Deed podcast, this is entirely ad-libbed. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I do try to come to some sort of consideration or, or realisation for you to go play with, not to take my answers, but for you to wrestle with the questions yourself. So I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm getting there because there is a couple of interrelated things I want to end on the first of them is that on on the fellowship side, like on, on the day job, on the, the work that we are doing both in research and commercialization, to look at how chemists can point cameras at chemical reactions and understand something about the story of how those things are working over time. All of that's going really well and a part of that that's starting to grow arms and legs at the moment is the commercial side, how we are trying to build the business plan, how to Go out there and discover customers and think about how this might, if it is indeed commercializable, work as a standalone spin-out business, as an as a independent entity from the university. And part of doing that is we're about to go on an adventure to expand that customer discovery to look out genuinely across the world to see where the technology that we've developed might be useful. Unapologetically, Whilst we've found some problems to work on, we are genuinely a solution looking for problems. In the beginning, we had a problem, we scratched the itch by creating this solution, but now we are putting the shoe on the other foot. We're going out there saying, look, we have this solution. Are you a person who has a problem that this solution could help tackle? And that's a massive question mark and something that in the past, like in earlier fellowships that I've had, you know, four or five years ago, when I had fewer people around me, I had uh, a bigger ego, more bravado. I tried to do absolutely everything myself. I spread myself super thin. I wouldn't ask for help. I just wanted to do all of this on my own to show that I could do it. And I was spread too thin. I burnt out. You know, past opportunities to create a business based on fundamental research uh, just fell by the wayside, lost a lot of time, lost a little bit of money and lost a lot of motivation for a while. But now I have the absolute joy of having colleagues, team members who can not only take on part of that work, but lead that work. That can share that vision and, and take it on beyond what I can do myself. And it's it's a a real joy to be able to be part of that in a way that doesn't mean that I need to be the spearhead all the time. On the off chance that any of them are listening to this, they know who they are because each of them are a part of this in their own way. And the way that that takes off my shoulders as a group leader is in many ways unquantifiable. But audibly, it's that sigh of relief to know that it's not all on me, that I can actually, in a pair of words, let go. I don't have to do it all. I can, as much as this is a dirty word, delegate. It doesn't all have to be on me. Now, I said that this was one of a pair of things I wanted to end on that's to share a little bit with with you what's happening fellowship wise but it relates to a personal thing and both of these points together relate to a consideration i will leave you with this past week my my eldest kid my daughter started grade school primary school and how we got to now i have no idea when they say that time passes by so quickly it passes in a flash when you're a parent that you know one day you're learning to wipe their ass the next day you're letting them go at the school gates you know that's the sort of thing that you know me certainly maybe you as well like you don't really care about it until it happens to you You know a lot of people say these things you'll nod along politely in conversation but when it happens to you it will hit you like a ton of bricks we took our daughter to school a couple of days ago for the very first time Seeing her in a uniform for a start was mind-blowing because it then flashed us back to when we were just scrambling to get, you know, clothes for nursery that an infant could wear and get stained and we wouldn't care about it. Letting her go into nursery and clawing her off of her body and passing them over to the nursery teachers you know seeing them cry and, and not want to be apart from us then to now taking our daughter into school and not only was she excited to go to school but as soon as she saw one person she knew she was off she, that was her she was away into the classroom trying to explore what the place looked like trying to understand how many people were going to be there all these other kids that she didn't know looking and talking to the teachers playing with the toys in the classroom And unlike that sigh of relief that comes with being able to let go from some of that fellowship stuff I mentioned on the business side, this was a a different type of letting go. There was, to put it in a phrase that I'm toying with for a future book, there was a joy in this death. And I think there's a thousand deaths like it where this felt like a a death in some ways a a closing of a chapter in her life and our part in her life to this brand new chapter where she's off exploring the world in a way that we have no control over and that is a necessary and different way of thinking about how it's helpful to let go So from me to you, there it is. That is the consideration for today. What is it, and worker in life that you're holding on dear to that one day you know will be beneficial to let go? Hmm. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks as ever for listening to the Read Indeed podcast. Take care, and I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thank mm-hmm. you.